section four of the three lieutenants this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the three lieutenants by william henry giles kingston chapter three madeira sighted misfortunes of commander babacum a ride on shore naval cavalry charge down a hill and overturn some dignitaries of church and state a pleasant visit of apology suddenly ordered to sea an expedition to bring off wash-clothes a few days after the storm was over madeira was made to the eastward of it as the frigate sailed on there came in sight a small island called the desertas tom wishing to show that he was wide awake reported a large ship coming round the desertas he was however only laughed at for his supposed ship turned out to be a rock of a needle form rising several hundred feet out of the sea and would have been as higson told him if it had been a ship bigger than the famed mary dunn of diver whose flying jib boom swept the weathercock off calais church steeple while her spanker boom end only just shaved clear of the white cliffs of old england the scenery of madeira as they sailed along its shore was pronounced very grand and beautiful its lofty cliffs rising perpendicularly out of the blue ocean with a fringe of surf at their base and vine-clad mountains towering up into the clear sky beyond them here and there a small bay appearing forming the mouth of a ravine its sides covered with orange groves and dotted with whitewashed cottages and a little church in their midst rounding the southern end of the island the frigate came to an anchor in the bay of funchal the town in a thin line of houses stretching along the shore before them and a wild mountainous region beyond with country houses or quintas scattered over the lower ground and high above it the white church of nosa senora do monte glistening in the sun an important object had attracted captain hemming to madeira it was to ship a couple of casks of its famed wine for the admiral on the jamaica station as well as one for himself and he took the opportunity of fitting a new top-gallant mast a few hours afterwards the tudor came in and dropped her anchor close to the frigate she had evidently suffered severely in the gale her fore-topsail yard was so badly sprung that sail could not be carried on it her mizzen topmast was gone her starboard bulwarks forward stove in one of her boats carried away besides which she had received other damages the sea which had injured her bulwarks had swept along her deck but everything had been secured without doing further harm and fortunately no one had been lost commander babacum at once came on board the plantagenet to pay his respects to captain hemming he was a short stout man with a red face and thick neck betokening a plethoric habit after having been on shore for some years he had been appointed to the tutor through the influence of a relative who had actively supported the ministry in electioneering matters 
probably never much of a sailor though he might have been as brave as a lion such experience as he possessed being that of days gone by he had an especial horror of all new-fangled notions he laid all the blame of the disasters his ship had met with to the dockyard riggers they don't do things as they used to do that's very clear or i shouldn't have lost my mizzen topmast he exclaimed while pacing the frigate's deck with angry steps i doubt whether in this hole of a place we can get our damages repaired i'll send my carpenters on board so that you may be independent of the natives how long will it take to set you to rights three or four days i should suppose was the answer well i will remain for that time and we will sail together said captain hemming it was quickly known on board both ships that they were not to leave for some days and parties were made up to go on shore the next morning and take a ride to the corral and other places of interest a merry set of gun-room officers and midshipmen left the ship soon after breakfast jack and adair with lieutenant jennings leading murray could not go but archy gordon got leave his services as he told his friends not being absolutely required they wisely landed in shore-boats thus escaping a drenching from the surf and were hauled up the shingly beach by a number of shouting bawling dark-skinned natives who handed them over to an equally vociferous crowd of muleteers and donkey-boys assembled in readiness with their beasts of high and low degree to carry travellers up the mountain amid the wildest hubbub produced by the shouting wrangling jabbering of the owners of the beasts each man praising the qualities of his own animal as he dragged it to the front the naval party managed to mount those who could secure them on horses the rest on mules donkeys being despised though attempts were made to thrust the midshipmen on them the tall lieutenant of marines had not secured his horse which he chose for its height without a desperate struggle a band of natives rushing on him one had hoisted his right leg across a mule another shoving a donkey's rein into his hands while a third adroitly brought a pony under his left leg while kicking in the air but the owner of the high horse saw that his eye had been fixed on it and being a big fellow came to the rescue and offering his shoulder as a rest enabled the lieutenant to spring clear of the mule and other beasts on to the one he had chosen forward my lads he shouted in triumph as he galloped to the front amid an increased chorus of strange-sounding shrieks and cries the party shouting and laughing themselves almost as loudly as their attendants set forward woo woo sung out all the assembled natives in chorus when the muleteers catching hold of the tails of their respective animals with their left hands began to urge them on by digging into their flanks the points of the short goads held in their right hands ara bura cara cara cavache caval screamed out the native and on went the steeds kicking and clattering through the pebble-paved streets well-nigh sending some of their less experienced riders over their heads and dispersing to the right and left every one they encountered i say we won't be after having these fellows at our heels all the way exclaimed adair of course not said jack it would be a horrid bore 
be off with ye now cried adair to the natives jack and the rest giving similar orders but the muleteers in the first place did not understand what they said and in the second knew better than to let go as without the usual tail-pulling and goading the beasts would not have budged a foot we shall be quit of yer ye spalpeens when we get to the lull cried adair at which the swarthy natives grinned and would have grinned more had they comprehended his remark quickly passing through the town up the steep sides of the mountain they clattered between high stone walls crowned by vines geraniums and numberless flowering plants while orange groves were seen here and there through various openings with pretty quintas nestling amid them and when they turned their heads glimpses were caught of the town and bay and the blue ocean they had not gone far when they met an englishman on horseback who pulling up introduced himself as the merchant about to ship the admiral's wine and invited them to stop at his quinta on their way down from the corral with all the pleasure in life answered adair and will you have the kindness sir to tell these noisy fellows pulling at our horses tails that we can dispense with their company it would be far from a kindness if i did for you would find that your beasts would not move ahead without them said the merchant laughing and directing the arrieros to stop at his house on their return he bade the merry party good morning up and up they went till gerald declared that they should reach the moon if they continued on much longer at length they found themselves on the brink of an enormous chasm some thousand feet in depth upwards of two miles in length and half a mile in width while before them a precipitous wall of rocks towered up towards the blue heavens broken into numberless craggy pinnacles amid which the clouds careered rapidly although far below they lay in thin strata unmoved by a breeze grand magnificent and similar exclamations broke from the party they pushed on to the end of the ravine where it almost closes a natural bridge of rocks existing over it to the opposite side another much broader ravine opening out beyond returning by the way they came the party gazed down upon funchal and their ships in the harbour faith they look for all the world like two fleas floating with their legs in the air exclaimed adair this is a mighty big mountain there is no doubt about that their keen appetites and the recollection of the merchant's promised repast made them hurry on their downward way they were not disappointed either in the substantials or in the delicacies oranges and grapes with other fruits and wines provided for their entertainment i am expecting your captains and a few grandees and others to dinner or i would have pressed you to stay said their kind host as he wished them good-bye i hope you will come to-morrow though and remember that my house is at your orders as long as you stay most of the naval heroes had imbibed a sufficient quantity of the merchant's generous liquid to raise their spirits even somewhat above their usual high level and adair took gerald to task for not having refused the last few glasses offered though he declared that he himself was as sober as an archbishop and so faith am i uncle terence cried gerald to prove that same i'll race ye down to the bottom of this hit of a hill and whoever comes in first shall decide the question 
now off we go wallop a hoo a hoo erin go brog and urging on his steed of which his arario had long since let go as had the others of their animals on descending the mountains away he started adair shouting to him to stop from the fear that he would break his neck followed however at the same headlong speed giving vent in his excitement to the same shout of wallop ahu ahu erengo brog the example was infectious the marine officer even catching it and offset lieutenants and surgeons and midshipmen and clerks as if scampering away from an avalanche to save their lives instead of running a great risk of losing them in vain their attendants shouted to them to stop and went bounding after them the animals kept well together in a dense mass a regular stampedo terence and his nephew keeping the lead to check themselves had they tried it was impossible without the certainty of bringing their steeds to the ground and taking flying leaps over their heads suddenly there appeared before them a palanquin a dignified ecclesiastic seated in it attended by footmen while further on were seen several cavaliers some in military uniforms with a couple of naval cocked hats rising in their midst that instant had the cry of erin go brog escaped from the excited irishman's throat avast haul up for your life boy shouted adair on beholding the spectacle before him starboard your helm or you'll be over the padre gerald did try to pull up with might and main but it was too late his steed stumbled shooting him as from a catapult right on the top not of a humble padre but of a bishop of the holy roman empire when his floundering steed upsetting the leading bearer bishop and midshipman rolled over together the former shouting for help the latter apologizing the matter did not stop here though adair managed to clear the bishop after knocking over one of his lordship's footmen his steed bolted into the midst of the cavaliers behind coming full tilt as ill luck would have it against commander babbicome of the tudor who in spite of his boasted horsemanship was incontinently capsized while before he could recover himself or his companions rescue him down came thundering on them the rest of the hilarious cavalcade several of the riders including tom attempting to rein in their animals were sent flying over the prostrate bishop among the foremost ranks of the party ascending the mountain while the rest dashing on overthrew the military governor and several other personages of distinction till jack who had from the first reined in his steed and was behind the rest could see nothing but a confused mass of kicking legs and cocked hats and naval caps and here and there heads and backs and arms with a shaven crown in their midst blocking up the narrow roadway shouts cries shrieks and execrations issuing from among them the liberated horses had dashed on leaving their riders to their fate this contributed considerably to lessen the difficulties of the case the drivers coming up jack dismounted and giving his horse to one of them ran to assist the bishop and his fallen friends the midshipmen quickly picked themselves up very much frightened at what they had done but not a bit the worse for their tumble the ecclesiastic was next placed on his legs with robes somewhat rumpled but happily without contusions or bones broken though dreadfully alarmed and inclined to be somewhat angry at the indignity he had suffered 
jack endeavoured to apologise with the few words of portuguese he could command tom and gerald assisting him to the best of their power though their united vocabulary failed to convey their sentiments meantime the dismounted cavaliers behind had regained their saddles as had the gun-room officers and young gentlemen who had tilted against them their feet lieutenant jennings and terence had scraped clear without losing their seats but nearly all the rest had been unhorsed commander babacombe was the only one who had suffered damage and he had received a bloody nose by a blow from his horse's head but he was infinitely the most irate it is a disgrace to the service that such things should be allowed he exclaimed captain hemming i shall demand a court-martial on your officers or an ample apology mine know how to respect their commander at that moment his eye fell on his own purser and surgeon with two or three others who were trying to get by close to the wall on either side ah i see they shall hear more about it they may depend on that lieutenant adair will be ready to make you an ample apology i can answer for that and you know that naval officers are not always the best of horsemen of which we have just had an example said captain hemming who though annoyed at what had happened wished to soothe the feelings of the angry commander the portuguese officers ascertaining that the bishop was unhurt took their own overthrow very coolly it's the way of those young english naval officers they observed with a shrug of the shoulders paciencia with bows and further apologies the two parties separated the one to partake of the banquet prepared for them the other to make the best of their way into the town uncle terence you bait me i'll acknowledge but if it hadn't been for the fat bishop i'd have won exclaimed gerald as they met adair not very comfortable in his mind coming back to look for them we shall all get into a precious row ye young spalpeen in consequence of your freak answered adair why didn't you pull up at once when i told you pull up was it ye say uncle terence cried the irrepressible young irish boy faith now that's a good joke didn't i pull till i thought my arms would be after coming off but my baste pulled a mighty dale harder really that nephew of mine will be getting into serious difficulties if he does not learn to restrain the exuberance of his spirits said terence quite seriously to jack as they rode on together when i was a youngster i never went as far as he does as to that we are apt to forget what we were and what we did in the days of our boyhood answered jack laughing heartily you certainly had a wonderful aptitude for getting out of scrapes when you had tumbled into them however as it is wiser to keep clear of them altogether you will do well to give your nephew a lecture on the subject and i hope that he will benefit by it i intend to bestow some good advice on tom on the subject many a promising lad injures his future prospects by thoughtlessness though we were not always as wise as solomon we were invariably sober fellows or we should probably have come to grief like so many others we have known faith yes it was that last magnum of madeira floored the bishop and commander babacombe no doubt about it observed adair with a twinkle in his eye by this time they had reached the beach when the arreros having claimed their horses not forgetting a liberal payment for their use the party returned in shore boats to the ships
the next morning commander babbicome's anger was somewhat cooled down though to vindicate his outraged dignity as he could not punish the plantagenet's midshipmen he stopped all leave from the tudor captain hemming considering that the matter should not be altogether overlooked took tom and gerald on shore to apologize to the bishop who instead of being angry laughed heartily and gave them a basket full of sweet cakes and fruit for which though it was a gentle hint that he looked upon them as children they were very much obliged to him and voted him a first-rate old fellow when the midshipmen of the tutor heard of it they wanted to go and apologize also but as none of them unfortunately had tumbled over his lordship they could not find a sufficient excuse for paying him a visit and though they sent a deputation on board the plantagenet to put in a claim for a share old higson declined to entertain it captain hemming afterwards went on board the tudor and having told commander babbicome of the kind way the bishop had behaved suggested that it was more christian-like to forgive than revenge an insult even if premeditated while that of which he complained certainly was not and finally induced him to promise that he would say no more about the matter the repairs of the tudor were nearly completed a man-of-war steamer coming in from the eastward reported the signal midshipman to mr cherry she has made her number the pluto he shortly added the pluto's huge paddle-wheels soon brought her into the bay when the lieutenant commanding her came on board the plantagenet with dispatches for captain hemming it was thought possible that we might catch you here as we have had a good deal of calm weather and our wheels carry us along rather faster than your sails under such circumstances observed the lieutenant who knew that his tea-kettle was held in no great respect ah yes steam is useful for dispatch boats answered the captain in a slightly sarcastic tone as he opened the dispatches he was to direct the plantagenet and tudor to proceed without delay to trinidad and thence to go on to jamaica calling at the larger caribbean islands belonging to great britain on their way there was an idea that the blacks were in an unsettled state of mind and that the appearance of a couple of men-of-war would tend to keep them in order instantly the news became known there was a general bustle on board the frigate washed clothes had to be got off and fresh provisions obtained she was to sail at daylight the next morning and the tutor was to follow as soon as ready what are we to do for our washed clothes exclaimed higson mother lobo wasn't to bring them on board till to-morrow evening and if we send to her the chances are she doesn't get the message or doesn't understand it if she does sure the best thing will be to go for them then exclaimed gerald does any one know where she lives well thought of youngster said higson i know where she hangs out to the west of the town beyond the old convent some way up the hill but as i can't make her understand a word i say even if i was to go there i should not much forward matters but i can talk portuguese like a native exclaimed norris a midshipman who had been on board a ship stationed at lisbon for several months and who professing to be a great linguist was always ready to act as interpreter whether he understood the replies of the natives or not he never failed to translate them it was reported of him that once having accompanied the first lieutenant on shore to get a new topmast made he asked the portuguese carpenter at the dockyard in how many days so 
will you make a new topmasto for mio frigato neo intende was the answer not in ten days he says sir reported norris to the lieutenant why we can make one on board in less than half that time lazy rascals we will have nothing to do with them exclaimed the lieutenant his confidence in the midshipman as a linguist unshaken on the present occasion norris's services were however accepted and all in the berth who could get leave agreed to go some of the tudor's midshipmen who were on board the frigate offered to bring on the things if they were not ready no no thank ye answered hickson cocking his eye i've a notion that clean linen would be plentiful aboard the corvette and by the time it reached us it would be ready again for the laundress he however accepted their offer to accompany the expedition as the wind was light and off shore they got leave to take the jolly boat being able easily to land in her under the guidance of higson they made their way up the hill to sonora lobo's abode a stream ran near it on the banks of which half a dozen women were kneeling battering away fine as well as coarse articles of clothing on some rough granite slabs occasionally rubbing them as a change with might and main on the hard stones singing at the same time as they rubbed or stopping occasionally to laugh and chatter among them was discovered signora lobo or mother lobo as higson designated her battering away harder than anybody at one of his shirts as an example to her handmaidens she rose from her knees twisting tightly the dripping garment not to lose time as she recognized the young gentlemen when norris for a wonder made her comprehend more by signs than words that as the ship was about to sail they must have their clothes immediately a manana to-morrow asked signora lobo no no este nuate to-night answered norris vehemently the washerwoman consulted with her attendants piles of wet linen lay on the ground but a quantity had not yet seen the water after a considerable amount of jabbering and talking it was agreed that the task could be accomplished the sun was hot and the gentlemen must not be very particular about the ironing while one half of the damsel set to work again in the stream the rest headed by the mistress began to hang up the washed articles a young girl being dispatched apparently for further assistance this looked like being in earnest and the dame assured norris that the thing should be ready by ten o'clock how to spend the intermediate time was the question and a ramble into the country was agreed on had they been wise they would have secured some mules or donkeys to convey the clothes to the beach they had however undertaken to carry the bags themselves and were resolved heroically to persevere they set off on their ramble tom and gerald and the other youngsters skylarking as usual they expected to fall in with some venda or wine-shop where they could obtain the refreshment they should require before returning and dick needham was sent back with an order for the boat to come for them at the appointed hour after rambling to a considerable distance they began to feel hungry but in vain they searched for a venda fortunately at this juncture they fell in with an englishman on horseback to whom they made their wants known come along with me he answered i will show you a place where you can get some food turning to the right he led them through a gateway along a walk bordered by orange trees myrtles geraniums ever-blossoming rose trees and numberless other plants and flowers up to a bungalow style of building from the veranda of which a fine view could be enjoyed over the bay with the town in the distance and the hills on either side 
this looks like a regular first-class boarding-house we shall have to pay handsomely whispered tom to gerald but never mind we shall enjoy ourselves and i am terribly sharp-set make yourselves at home gentlemen said their guide supper will soon be on the table let's have it as soon as possible that's all and pray tell the landlord that we shall be perfectly content if we can have a few cold fowls and a ham or eggs and bacon and bread and cheese and some bottles of country wine we are in no ways particular exclaimed higson throwing himself on a garden seat and producing his cigar-case will any of you fellows have a smoke when the case was opened but one cigar remained their guide observed it never mind i dare say i can find some in the house he said and soon returned with a box full he offered it round what do they cost asked gerald who indulged in a smoke sometimes when out of adair's sight though his slender purse forbade cigars never mind was the answer it shall be put down in the bill the midshipman took a cigar when a black servant appearing with a dish of charcoal embers it was lighted and pronounced excellent shortly afterwards several ladies came out of the house and entered into conversation with the young officers who took them to be guests staying at the inn the time sped pleasantly by till supper was announced the ladies accompanied them in the oldest taking one end of the table while their guide sat at the other he's mine host after all whispered tom to gerald he knows however how to look after his guests properly there might not have been quite as many cold chickens on the table as higson would have desired but ample amends was made by the variety of other good things and the abundance of fruit cakes and wine capital madeira this of yours landlord haven't tasted better anywhere in the island exclaimed higson smacking his lips i'll trouble you to pass the bottle i am glad you approve of it sir said mine host doing as he was requested there are several other qualities but i always put the best before my guests altogether the young gentlemen enjoyed themselves particularly and talked and laughed away with unrestrained freedom to the ladies who seemed highly amused by them and insisted on filling the pockets of the younger midshipmen with cakes and fruit to take to their messmates on board it's myself could manage better with a handkerchief exclaimed patty desmond producing a good big one the hint was taken and some of the oldsters pulling out theirs got them filled likewise supposing that it was the custom of the country for the guests to carry off the remains of a feast coffee was brought in and a stroll through the grounds was then proposed the object of the young gentleman's visit to the shore came out in the course of the evening you must stay here then till the time you have appointed and i will show you a much shorter cut to the shore than by the high road said mine host higson gladly accepted his offer tea and further refreshments were found on the table on their return from the garden and then one of the younger ladies went to the piano and another took a harp and a third a guitar and the young officers who could sing were asked to do so which of course they did patty desmond especially having a capital voice thus the evening passed pleasantly away till it was nearly ten o'clock i had no idea there were such capital houses of public entertainment as yours in the island said higson highly pleased with mine host who had been very attentive to him whatever englishmen undertake however they always beat the natives hollow and now just tell me what's to pay 
i am amply repaid by having had the pleasure of entertaining you answered mine host laughing i must not let you go away under a mistake the ladies you have seen are my mother and wife and our sisters and two cousins staying with us you may have heard my name as one of the principal shippers from the island and when you come across my brand in the old country you will be able to say a good word for it that i will sir but i must beg ten thousand pardons for my stupidity and that of my shipmates we ought to have found you out at first couldn't understand it i confess mr soon set higson and the rest at their ease and thanks and farewells being uttered under the guidance of the former they commenced their journey through orange groves and vineyards down the hill signora lobo's washing establishment was soon reached and there stood before her house a long line of bags and bundles the former containing clothes the latter tablecloths sheets and towels each weighing twenty or thirty pounds as time would be lost by sending to the boat for men the young gentlemen agreed to carry their property between them their new friend at once declared his intention of assisting how to fist the bundles was the question one could be easily carried on the back but on counting them it was found that each person must carry two after due discussion it was decided that the only way to do this was to fasten the bags or bundles two and two together by the strings of the bags or the corners of the bundles and to sling them thus over their shoulders one hanging before and one behind the two younger midshipmen got the lightest for their share old higson manfully taking the largest and saying that he would bring up the rear their new friend led to show them the way there was a high gate near the bottom of the path but that was sure to be open off started the strange procession amid shouts of laughter to which Signora lobo and her handmaidens added their share adios adios signores they shrieked clapping their hands and bending almost double in their ecstasies the shouts of the merry damsels could be heard long after they had been lost to sight as the not less jovial young gentlemen descended the hill at first the path was tolerably even but gradually it became steeper and steeper and the bundles seemed to grow heavier and heavier and the night darker and darker they could see that they were passing through a vineyard formed on terraces built upon the hillside the assistant surgeon who followed next their friend had slackened his speed allowing the latter to get ahead of him suddenly the medico lost sight of his guide when stumbling he let his bag slip off his shoulders and was obliged to stop a minute to adjust them bringing everybody else behind him to a halt then to make up for lost time he pushed on at greater speed than before he heard their guide cry out something but what it was he could not tell make haste you in the rear he exclaimed but scarcely were the words out of his mouth than he found himself going head foremost from the top of a high wall when he began to roll over and over down a steep declivity he was not alone for one after the other came his companions the darkness preventing those behind from discovering what had happened higson being the last till the whole party were rolling away down the hill struggling and kicking with the bags round their necks some well now strangled by the cords which held them together ah it's kilt i'm entirely exclaimed paddy desmond who was the first to find his voice where are we after going to is the say below us does any one know 
can't some of you fellows ahead stop yourselves sung out higson who came thundering along with his big bundles about his neck but the ground had just been cleared not a root or branch offered a hold fast and his weight giving a fresh impetus to the rest away they all went again over another terrace wall shrieks and shouts and groans proceeding from those whose throats were not too tightly pressed by the cords to allow them utterance their cries quickly brought their friend to their assistance when a level spot having fortunately been reached with his aid after some hauling and twisting they were at length got on their legs and their bundles and bags being replaced on their shoulders they proceeded in the same order as before one or two groaned occasionally from the weight of their burdens or from the pain of their bruises but most of the party trudged on laughing heartily at their adventure hello why the gate is locked never knew that before they heard their guide exclaim never mind we can easily climb it saying this he threw his bags over and climbing to the top safely dropped down on the other side the rest of the party with one exception followed his example when higson came to the gate it looked so contemptibly easy that he determined to climb it with his bundles on his back telling tom who was next him to go on he mounted to the top when just as he had got over his foot slipped and down he came having his body on the outer side and his huge bundles still on the inner his neck being held fast by the cord which fastened them together a deep groan escaped him it might have been the last he would ever have uttered but fortunately tom heard it and turning back discovered what had happened help help he shouted here's old higson hanging himself his shout brought the rest to the rescue accompanied by dick needham who had come up from the boat to see after them while a couple of the oldsters climbed to the top of the gate dick raised the old mate with his shoulders after much pulling and hauling his neck was cleared from the noose when he would have fallen to the ground had not dick caught him i'm much afeard mr higson's gone exclaimed dick as he placed his burden gently down dead why he was kicking tremendously just now cried tom much concerned for he had a real regard for his messmate i'm afeard so repeated dick with a sigh let me see said mctavish the assistant surgeon and stooping down he undid higson's handkerchief and rubbed away at his throat feeling carefully round it neck not dislocated as i feared he's all right and will come round presently he said the announcement giving infinite relief to those who stood around as mctavish had predicted higson soon recovered and as dick was there to carry his bundles the adventurers were once more en route to the boat all hands were warm in their expressions of thanks to their hospitable entertainer you'll not forget mine host of the country venda he said laughing as he shook hands for the last time they gave him three cheers as the boat shoved off and pulled away for the frigate higson had been silent while the rest were talking as if brooding over something at length he exclaimed i say rogers i'll not have you call me old higson they were the last words i heard then you didn't hear me call the other fellows to your assistance answered tom promptly if i hadn't you wouldn't have been sitting up and talking now it wouldn't have been pleasant for your friends to have seen a paragraph in the papers john higson mate of h m s plantagenet was hung on the avast there cried higson i'll break your head you he really was the means of saving your life said mctavish then i'm obliged to you rogers and you may call me old higson as often as you like provided you do me an equal service every time the next morning the frigate stood out of the bay of funchal on her way to the west indies
End of chapter three.